I invite you to open a Bible with me, if you will, to Psalm 148, where we will be reading in just a few moments. We have just sung the words of Psalm 148, and I would love to show you in your Bibles where some of those words come from. While you're turning back there, let me echo the welcome. It is so good to see all of you this morning. We're glad that you're here. Trees have been on my mind a lot lately. Trees are amazing. I have found myself over the course of the last couple of months in thinking a lot about trees, just staring for a while at trees. Small trees in my own backyard, some of the larger trees that surround our parking lot. Trees are amazing. They are among, if not the oldest living organisms on earth. The appropriately named Methuselah tree, a great basin bristlecone pine in California's White Mountains, believed to be 4,855 years old. It has lived, as best we can tell, not only through the rise and fall of the Roman Empire, it is older than Abraham in your Bible, dating back to roughly around the time that the pyramids were being built in Egypt. Trees are amazing. Hyperion in California's Redwood National Forest, taller than the Statue of Liberty, 380 feet tall. Trees are amazing. They've been on my mind recently for several different reasons that we'll talk about before we're done, but it's fascinating to me that after people, trees are mentioned in the Bible more than any other living thing. Trees are all over the Bible, used by God nearly from cover to cover as markers, metaphors, reference points for things that need to be remembered more frequently referenced after people than anything else in all of creation. Why is that? I've been thinking a lot about that. If your Bible is open to Psalm 148, trees praise their Creator. We've sung that this morning, and the author of that hymn didn't come up with that on their own. They were leaning heavily in those words that we've just sung together on Psalm 148. And I want you to notice just a, a small section of that in verse 5, in the middle of looking in every direction, all over creation, the psalmist says, let them praise the name of the Lord. For He commanded and they were created. Among those things being called to praise their Maker. In verse 9, mountains and all hills 
fruit trees and all cedars. We've sung that together this morning. Verse 13, let them praise the name of the Lord, for His name alone is exalted. His majesty is above earth and heaven. Trees praise their Creator. If you go with me to the Gospel of Matthew chapter 4, where we will read in just a few moments, one of the most amazing things that you learn about living things like trees, maybe in elementary school science class, you might have had that project the way that I did, where your elementary school teacher gave you two little plants, and one of those plants ended up being really happy because the teacher wanted you to take that and leave it on a windowsill. And then that other unfortunate plant wasn't so happy because the teacher told me to take it home and put it in my closet and leave it there. And we were learning about light, right? The, the impact of light on all living things. As you grow more and you learn more, you learn about this phototropism phenomenon built into creation where living things literally bend toward the light. And so maybe you've had plants that you've noticed in your own house. Maybe trees in your own house where if they're not close enough to the source of light, they will grow towards, bend towards the light. Ladies and gentlemen, that is not an accident. If your Bible is open there to Matthew chapter 4, verse 16, 17, our Creator, from cover to cover of His revelation to mankind, uses language like this that we can observe in the world around us to help us understand why we're here. Matthew reaches back to a hundreds of years old prophecy talking about in verse 16 how the people dwelling in darkness have seen a great light and for those dwelling in the region and shadow of death, on them a light has dawned. And it is no coincidence that in the very next verse, Matthew tells us of Jesus preaching, repent, turn. Turn from the darkness toward this light that is dawning, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. He says that because in his own words, I have come into the world as light, so that whoever believes in me may not remain in darkness, but turn toward and grow toward the light. You can turn in your Bibles with me to the book of Proverbs in our Old Testament. Proverbs chapter 12. We know, we learn from early ages, right? That trees put down roots. And God uses that figure that was His idea literally in every direction of creation all over this world to teach us about our hearts and our lives. And so Solomon in Proverbs chapter 12 and verse 8 reasons with us. Verse 3, no one is established by wickedness but the root of the righteous. 
We had some strong winds blow through our region yesterday, right? You might have seen some leaves and even some small branches that were laying on the ground. But the reason that that tree, that tree is still standing is because the roots were not moved. Solomon says that's what the righteous are like. Verse 12, Whoever is wicked covets the spoil of evildoers, but the root of the righteous bears fruit. Speaking of that, Jesus in Matthew chapter 7 and really all over His ministry uses what we see in creation all around us. Trees do not only put down roots, they bear fruit. And so in His Sermon on the Mount, as He is warning the righteous about being careful who you listen to, He says in verse 15, you need to beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. You will recognize them. You can know what is true and what is false by their fruits. Are grapes gathered from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? So every healthy tree... Listen, this is the Son of God. And of all the ways He could teach us to discern between true and false, He points us to trees. Every healthy tree bears good fruit. But the diseased tree bears bad fruit. A healthy tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a diseased tree bear good fruit. How does he know this? Well, he hadn't just been observing for 30 years. He was the Word of God through whom fruit trees came into being. He's talking about what he knows, what he has done. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus you will recognize them by their fruits. Turn with me in your Bibles to the Gospel of Matthew chapter 13. Trees extend themselves and help other living things. Maybe the first time you were led to think about that was someone reading a book to you. Shelley's favorite book. The giving tree that many of us grew up being read or, or reading for ourselves. Teaching us from a, a very young age that this living thing extends itself. It is there for the help of other living things. Jesus in Matthew chapter 13, long before Shel Silverstein said anything about a giving tree. Listen to what Jesus says in verse 31. The kingdom of heaven is like a grain of mustard seed that a man took and sowed in his field. It is the smallest of all seeds, but when it has grown, it is larger than all the garden plants and becomes a tree. The kingdom of heaven is like a tree that the birds of the air come and make their nests in. Open your Bibles with me to Psalm 92 in the heart of your Bible. Is it any wonder then, 
I mean, this is just a, a small sampling of what we see around us in nature, what we see in our Bibles. Trees praise God. They turn. They grow toward the light. They put down roots. They bear fruit. They extend themselves and help other living things. Is it any wonder then that God calls His people, created in His image to be like trees. You can see in your Bible there, Psalm 92, you begin reading with me in verse 1. It is good to give thanks to the Lord, to sing praises to your name, O Most High, to declare your steadfast love in the morning and your faithfulness by night. In verse 4, for you, O Lord, have made me glad by your work, at the work of your hands. Could I encourage you this morning to open your eyes, slow down your steps, open your ears, and really notice this week the works of your Lord all around us. Let that lead you to, to praise Him. If you don't know what to say, use Psalm 92 verse 5. How great are your works, O Lord. Your thoughts are very deep. And then the psalmist moves from noticing the wonder of creation to applying this. You look down at verse 12. The righteous flourish like the palm tree and grow like a cedar in Lebanon. Verse 13, they are planted in the house of the Lord. They flourish in the courts of our God. They still bear fruit in old age. They are ever full of sap and green to declare that the Lord is upright. He is my God and there is no unrighteousness in Him. Maybe the simplest way of putting into just a couple of words the way we are being taught, even this morning from God's Word, is trust and obey. Would you meditate on, on those words with me for just a few more minutes this morning? Open your Bibles with me toward the end of the Bible to Ephesians chapter 3. Trust and and obey. I would suggest to you, we see that all around us in these wonderful aspects of creation. Trust. Our roots. The refreshment and stability of our hearts. You listen to the way the Apostle Paul in Ephesians 3, beginning in verse 7, talks to us. Verse 7, of this gospel I was made a minister according to the gift of God's grace which was given me by the working of His power. To me, though I am the very least of all the saints, this grace was given to preach. There is news that needs to be heard. In this instance, to the Gentiles, the unsearchable riches of Christ and to bring to light. He's leaning on a natural thing we can see all around us. To bring to light for 
everyone. What is the plan of the mystery hidden for ages in God? Listen, who created all things. So that through the church, the manifold wisdom of God might now be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. This was according to the eternal purpose that he has realized in Christ Jesus our Lord, in whom we have boldness and access with confidence through our faith in him. God had a plan. Paul says, I've been sent to share this plan. Anybody can have boldness, confidence, access through faith in Jesus Christ. So I ask you not to lose heart over what I am suffering for you, which is your glory. For this reason, I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, that according to the riches of His glory, He may grant you to be strengthened with power, strengthened in your inner being with power through His Spirit. Listen to verse 17. So that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. That you, being rooted and grounded in love. Do you see how the Apostle Paul praises God as the creator of all things and then uses these natural things that whether I believe there's a God or not, the witnesses are all around me. When's the last time you thought about your heart having roots? Not the muscle in your chest, but who you really are on the inside. What Paul refers to as the inner being. And what he's trying to get us to think about is where your heart is rooted matters. What your heart is rooted in matters. You root your heart in bitterness and you're going to yield an ugly harvest of wrath and anger and clamor and slander. Hearts rooted in racism. Don't love the image bearer of God with a different color of skin as they love themselves. Hearts rooted in lust. Long for impurity and sensuality more than they long for God. Hearts rooted in greed lay up treasures for self on earth at the expense of laying up treasures in heaven. Hearts that are rooted in envy are haunted day and night by a spirit of discontentment. It's never enough. All of these bountiful blessings that I have is just not enough. Hearts rooted in jealousy have a mighty struggle rejoicing with those who are rejoicing. Hearts rooted in strife won't weep with those who weep. Hearts rooted in enmity will struggle to forgive 
remaining willfully short-sighted to just how much I have been forgiven. It is a darkened heart rooted in dead soil that produces rotten fruit. But that is not the will of your Creator for you. It's right here. He has a plan that He has fulfilled in and through Jesus Christ. Light has come into the world. Would we turn from darkness and grow toward that light so that we, being rooted and grounded in love, may have strength when the winds blow We have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the, think of a tree and how it spreads, the breadth and the length and the height and the depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge. It's no wonder that even in the Old Testament we read these exclamations, how Precious is your steadfast love, O God. The children of mankind take refuge in the shadow of your wings. They feast on the abundance of your house. You give them drink. Listen to this. From the river of your delights. So let me ask you. Where are you going to plant yourself today? And for the rest of this week? What river is going to be flowing right beside, even through your God-given heart? There any river, any stream of any more significance than just scrolling on social media? Any river, any stream more significant than cable news this week? Here's God's will for our lives. That we would be planted by the river of His delights. With Him is the fountain of life. In your life, do we see life? Could I plead with you this morning not to close that fountain and fail to open it until Wednesday night or next Sunday morning? You do, and your heart will not be as stable, as refreshed as your Creator intends. It will be more like seed that falls on rock that develops no root and in time of testing doesn't have what it needs. Roots, trust, the refreshment and stability of our hearts. If you've turned away from Ephesians chapter 3, would you turn back there with me? Trust and obey. Trust our roots, the, the, the refreshment and stability of our hearts. Obey. Our fruit and our fullness. The Apostle Paul says, listen, this is why I am sharing this news. To bring about the obedience of faith. Or 
where our Bibles are open to Ephesians 3. We left off in verse 19 that the goal is to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled with. What does a healthy tree look like? We describe healthy trees as full. God's will for your life is that you would experience and share all the fullness of God. To Him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think, according to the power at work within us, the power of life. To Him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. The Son of God has told us you want to glorify your Creator the way that fruit trees and cedars glorify their Creator. Follow me. And I will cause you to bear much fruit. Lord willing, one month from today, we have a very exciting few days together. It is one of our favorite stretch of days every single year. Lord willing, kicking off on June 19th through the 22nd, we're excited to have Kenny Moore from Florence, Alabama come and share a variety of lessons revolving around this faith that we're talking about for our adults. You can see all about it on the front of your bulletin. For our children, we're going to talk about trees. God's Word is full of trees. All over the Bible. I suggest to you, if you find where the trees are, you'll find the story of the Bible. And so, Lord willing... June 19th through the 22nd for our children, we're going to notice five different trees. You can see all about it on the bulletin. We share that this morning for two different reasons. Number one, that you would mark your calendars and plan on joining us for that very encouraging, uplifting series of days together. Number two... We need your help. There is a whole lot of work that has already gone on to get us this point. Hours of work on the part of several different people in this room who are prepared to help this become a reality. Lord willing, this evening, immediately after our assembly, right over there in room B2, we would invite any of you who are able to help in any capacity. And I mean that. We need teachers. We need helpers. We need wall hangers. We need cutter-outers. If that's not a word, I just made it up. We need a wide variety of people who are willing to help in this building and outside of this building over the course of the next four weeks so that we can help our children know this amazing story. Of all the ways 
that Jesus could describe who He was and what He was here to do, the first passage that He stood up and read in His hometown synagogue was from the scroll of Isaiah. And the Gospel writers tell us that when He was given this privilege and opportunity, he, he, he found in that giant scroll this place. As Dan so powerfully drew our attention, a 700-year-old prophecy. Where God led the prophet Isaiah to say, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. Because the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has set me to bind up the brokenhearted. To proclaim liberty to the captives. And the opening of the prison to those who are bound. You, you go on to watch Jesus' life and, and you see that this was much deeper than just physical circumstances. This is good news. And so I'd encourage you to look in the mirror this morning and really evaluate how healthy you are. And if you're not as healthy as you know you should be, this is still good news. Just listen to the poor, the brokenhearted, the slave, the bound. Jesus came to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God. To comfort all who mourn. To grant to those who mourn in Zion. To give them a beautiful headdress instead of ashes. The oil of gladness. Instead of mourning, the garment of praise instead of a faint spirit. Where else could we go this morning? Our life in ashes and leave with a beautiful crown. Full of mourning because of what we've done and leave with the oil of gladness. To come with a, a spirit that is faint and leave wearing a garment of praise. This is good news. And when people respond to this good news, God helps them grow. Grow like what? like oaks of righteousness that the Lord plants so that He might be glorified. Much more to come. But Jacob is going to lead us in this simple song, Trust 
and obey. As we sing it, I'd encourage you to think about your roots. And I'd encourage you to think about the fruit of your life, the direction that you're growing. And if you realize, like those people in Acts chapter 2, that it's time for a change, and you're willing to honestly ask, what, what can I do? The answer stands. Repent. Turn away from the darkness. Turn toward, grow toward the light. Be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. Trust and obey. If we can help you this morning in responding to the Lord's invitation, would you let us know how? By coming to the front while we stand and sing together.